Waiting for Seconds is a podcast that talks about subjects of self-harm, suicide, eating disorders, and other personal subjects. If you don't feel comfortable listening to this podcast alone, listen to it with someone important to you. May that be a teacher, a parent figure, or someone you feel comfortable being with. Please enjoy the rest of the episode. on that yeah i was doing a clean take for a stupid uh cold open what did i call it the first time i don't know this is waiting for seconds the interview podcast where we meet people and ask them who they are and why they are i'm shannon miller and i'm joined by my co-host malcolm outkelt he's 21 now i'm so proud of him as of yesterday, when we record this, uh, and we will be talking with Michelle Simpson. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, so, um, as Shannon pointed out, I'm Michelle. Um, so, I grew up in a very small town. Like, uh, pretty much everybody knew everybody, or someone was related to somebody <laughs> kind of uh, situation. And uh, although I was um, in my college years, um, moved to like a bigger city and got to have like experiences there. And uh, now I work at a school as a speech language pathologist assistant, which is very wordy. (laughs) Um, And also as a barista at Starbucks. Well, hell yeah. Uh, great and all. Can you tell me about your cats? My cats? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're super cute. So um, I have uh, Jordy. She's a tuxedo cat. She is very small. Uh, like, oh, she's probably, like, from her tail, like, being the tip of my finger. And then, like, her face goes to, like, my elbow. So, like, very oh, teeny. Wow, that is not a big cat, huh? That is a small no, cat. Not. She's so Baby. small. But she's so feisty. Mm. <laughs> um, and I actually take her on walks on a leash. Um, oh. Yeah. Yeah, I started doing that when she was a kitten because I knew um, that I would be moving to, like, a city area outside mm. of, like, my parents' house. And so I know she would want to still be outside, but obviously, like... It's a little dangerous. Mm-hmm. And uh, and my other cat, his name's Kip, and he's the exact opposite. So he's a black cat, and he's 20 pounds. <laughs> 20 pounds of love. So That's a big man. Significantly <laughs> bigger than the other one. <laughs> so big. And he loves sitting on laps and getting lots of pets. Um, he is not afraid of people at all, even if he's unfamiliar with them like he'll just be like oh hi 
you're human, pet me. Cool. <laughs> I know what humans do. Right, and then Jordy is terrified of people she doesn't know, and she's like, that's it, I'm going under the bed. I ain't about this. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> but they get along, like, super well, so that made me feel, like, a lot better. And it's nice knowing that having, like, two jobs and being, like, gone, that they still have, like, each other, and that when oh. I get home, like, I can snuggle and cuddle them. Good cat. Uh, so I met Michelle through my oldest brother, Austin. Uh, we started playing his campaign together, and I think that's how I met Michelle. <laughs> I want to say. Well, I'm I'm trying to get the the memories right. My my brain has been sick for a couple of maybe a week now. Oh wow! Yeah. I've been congested and coughing, but I feel better. Oh, that's good. Anyways, I'm pretty sure it was in my first campaign with you, Malcolm, and Austin. And that's how we met, and we did a three-year-long campaign. It was very fun. It was was very fun. It was so fun. But yeah, that's pretty much how I met you guys. And it's crazy to think that it was that long ago and that it lasted that long, which is awesome. That's crazy. I'm kind of surprised that you guys didn't know each other because it felt like there was some kind of... uh, Like, it felt like you guys knew each other where I felt like I had no clue who the hell Michelle was when we first met. That might have just been me... I mean, that might be me misremembering the situation. That might also just be that, like... You're better at social interactions than I was. Are you talking about me? Well, like, yeah, you. I don't know about that, but I no, because yeah, no, we didn't meet during that one winter that I was out there in Missoula. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that was the first time we met in person, anyway. So, what was your job again? What what is it that you do? Um, so I'm a speech language pathologist assistant. So, um, I pretty much get to do all the fun stuff, which is awesome. So, um, pretty much what my job is. So I work in a school specifically. So you can work in a hospital or with a speech therapist in their private practice. Um, but in the school, pretty much what I do is. If a child has difficulty saying like their sounds, so if they say are incorrectly, um, I also help them with any language difficulties. So if they have a hard time understanding what conjunctions are in a sentence or what inferencing is, I go over that. And then um, I also help with uh, what we scientifically um, call pragmatics, but it's basically like just social interaction. And so some kids may have difficulty with that. So I help them with that. And I basically get to interact with the kids and not have to do any paperwork, which is awesome. <laughs> you get the fun parts and somebody else gets to do the uh, the paperwork. Yeah, exactly. What made you want to go into that job? Cause I, I, well, or that field? Because I know you've been studying that in college for a while. Right. So um, 
my mom's a speech therapist. And so I kind of was aware of it, but I honestly didn't decide what I wanted to do career-wise till I was a senior in high school. And I was like, oh, darn. Wow, that came up. Now I have to decide, like, <laughs> kind of what I want to do. And uh, I was like, I have no idea. And my mom's like, okay, well, uh, what are things that you enjoy doing, like, all the time? Even if it's hard in terms of, like, subjects. And so I thought, well, I, I love language and linguistics. Um, throughout middle school and high school, I studied Spanish and French. And then in college, I did sign language. So I love learning languages and anything to have to do with that. Um, and then I have some interest in science. Like, I'm not very good at mathematics, but the empirical system and trying to, like, from observation to testing things out, like, I really like that process. So I was like, okay. Um, and I knew for sure that I wanted to do something that inquired, like, socializing with people, because um, mm. I'm a very social person, and I think, like, any job that didn't have that aspect would be really tough for me. And my mom's like, well, you might really love my job, because it basically does all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And when I looked into it, what I liked about it is how versatile it is. So it's like, oh, you could do a private practice. So um, private practices is usually you specialize in a specific thing. So there's a speech therapist that specializes in stuttering. And so they might have like a clinic that they own and devote their time to that. Mm. Um, you could work in the hospitals um, and do that kind of setting. Or you could be in the school. And I thought, school for sure, because uh vacation time and i love traveling and i knew i wanted to have time for that so having summers yeah. off is a big boon yeah it's so nice well i don't know if i've ever actually mentioned this to you but i had a really uh back in early grade school i was nearly incomprehensible in my speaking uh, and i had a speech therapist who helped me significantly awesome so i really appreciate what you're doing because <laughs> i like that i know how to put words out there and have people understand them and that would not be true if not for people like you and your mom right and i think like even actually working in it like from being in the school to actually interacting with kids and stuff is like just how big of an impact just saying like a sound incorrectly is socially mm -hmm. i mean i've had some kids like cry because they're getting so frustrated because they can't do it and they're being made fun of or having pressure at home and stuff and mm. like i always have to remind them be like okay wait this is something that's hard for you and everybody gets to like that point and it's like, you are making progress. Like, this is what you're doing. You went from this point, and now you're here. And it's it seems like a tiny step, but, like, those matter, and they, they'll snowball eventually, and you'll get there. And so they're like, okay, okay, we're cool. 
It's just kind of a long process, but very emotional. Very emotional. And, well, like, there's another aspect that I, it's not a problem. It's actually more of a fun thing. But it was like, oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. But, like, so I'm 24. So, like, pretty young, you know. Mm. And so, like, it's interesting to see how, like, kids interact with me versus my supervisors who are, like, their 40s to their 60s. Mm. Um, especially high school. Because I remember talking to one of my high schoolers and going over um, some of the stuff that they're working on. And then they start talking about this video game. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, have you got to, like, this level or, like, this point? And they're like, you play video games? Like, yeah, yeah, I do. And they're like, what games do you play? I'm like, oh, Skyrim, near Automata. And they're like, Skyrim? That's an old person game. And I'm like, hey, they had new DLCs. They had their anniversary <laughs> edition Ooh. technically. It's new. <laughs> uh, I bought Skyrim just recently, so it's new. They right? re-released it, I swear. <laughs> they re-released it so many times. Ah! That well, way that the difference between how the children look at you, and I guess I say children when I mean high schoolers, look at you, are, who's yeah. kind of relatable. And <laughs> right. the old 60-year-old who's never heard of a video game. Exactly. And so, like, um, approach to therapy has been super fun because sometimes my supervisors are like, okay, you have, like, this connection with them let's like work together to figure out like how to plan the session out to possibly incorporate these things that they're interested in um, to make it more fun because it's one of those things where it's like when you do something that's super difficult or hard or frustrating, especially when they're in high school um, with like sound disorders, it's mm -hmm. like they've had this probably from either elementary school on or middle school on. So it's like they're kind of at this point where it's they've almost given up because they're like, I've been this way for like ever and it's still not like there. And so it's like, you know what, let's make this as fun as possible while still like addressing these things. And, like, help building them up and building up their interests and things. And it just makes it so much easier because they actually do better because they're excited to actually come. Which is super nice. Yeah. Trick well, them into learning with things that they like. <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> I'm just like, they don't think. They think they're playing a game. They think they're playing <laughs> Uno. Ruined no, them. <laughs> You're manipulating them, Michelle. Uh, you know, a I'm monster. a master. Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> well, it's nice that you're helping people, like, get past what they struggle through. And it's, it's, it's hard and emotional. But I'd like to ask, is there something that, like either growing up or or something like today that you're you struggle with more than others oh yeah for sure um it's kind of hard to like 
make it like one thing because I feel like I've had probably like a few things that I've had difficulty and they've kind of put me on this interesting path but like um so I have a ADHD so <laughs> there's um but like I didn't know until college which that's super interesting um because myself and my family we just kind of assumed that a lot of these things were just like my personality which I mean it is but it's like oh it's that but also kind of this way of thinking that's a little bit different that makes certain things harder um so I was kind of like the space cadet at school mm. like uh very much in my head and a lot of times I think my teachers assumed that I just wasn't paying attention or not caring but I was just zoned out and I didn't even know <laughs> um just kind of like in my head and sometimes like some of the things I think about they are related to the class but the sometimes that thought bubble just becomes a thought web and sometimes it's hard to stop it. So, like, um, I remember in university, um, I was taking a statistics class, and the professor's like, okay, um, we're talking about retrospective data. So I was like, okay, retrospective, retro, that means, like, old, like, something in the past, inspective is to, like, see. And then I was like, okay, got it, so it's just, like, like data there. And so most people would stop that thought and then go back to whatever the professor's saying but then it went to retro retroville from jimmy neutron that's why everything looks like it's in the 50s but also like today <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> and then it just keeps going and then i get back into it and i probably missed like 15 minutes of class right there it's just um, kind of spiraling retroville you did it <laughs> I was like, gosh darn it, Jimmy Neutron. <laughs> Brain blast. <laughs> the, it's like you're supposed to help me with my education. Not the opposite. I'm supposed to be smarter. Um, and like sometimes it is good um, to have those things because sometimes I can make connections in my head that some people wouldn't. And so I think that's why I was super good at language and linguistics, because it's like, oh, yeah, like this word is kind of like this word in English. Maybe they're similar or this word is similar to Spanish. And so it was a lot easier to memorize certain things. But you also like miss class time, which is really tough. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that was hard and I'm still kind of working at is... Um, I guess, like, socializing to a certain degree. So, like, a lot of the habits or just how I was as a kid, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And then um, having, like, adult relationships where um, my friends are more able to articulate that maybe that my style of communication is a little odd <laughs> and are able to say it to me instead of, like, when I was younger. But um, I guess uh, one thing is if we're having a conversation and someone's like oh how do you like feel about this thing and 
I've come to realize that they're asking how I emotionally feel about something, but I'd be like, oh, so like I I think about uh, this one study and like how like this and this is their findings on that. And, you know, this is what I learned from like that particular experience. And that's just how I feel about it. And they're like, that's great. But how do you feel about that? <laughs> oh, okay. And so just trying to like get on kind of the same page as other people while also still be authentically myself can be hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm sure everybody goes through that like at some point, but I would say those that and um like the space cadet social interaction and uh i think the last thing i had trouble with is the the balance of like work and friendship and all of these um because i feel like time just gets away from me all the time so it's like oh i have all these plans and it seems like from the way i mapped it out in my head like oh i could totally get this done on time and uh, and then it's like, maybe I did one or two of those things from a realistic standpoint. And then it's like, oh, crap. <laughs> I wasn't able to, like, see that person or call that person or do this thing. Um, but I've been getting a lot better with it by um, pretty much, like, if I say, uh, I think it'll take me this much time, I'll do it. And then write down, like, how much time it actually took. And that's been super helpful. So it's like now, like, my timetables are a lot more realistic. Which is super nice. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean by your timetables are more realistic? Um, so, like, I'll think in my head. Um, so it's like, okay, I have, I work at the school. Let's say uh, I have to be there at eight o'clock and then I'm done by three and then I have to go to the bank and then I have to do all like all these things and then meet my friend at like this time and I'll think okay well it'll just take me maybe five minutes to go to the bank from work um it'll take me maybe 10 15 minutes tops to like make my sandwich and get ready and then out the door so I'll make those plans based on that but then it's like oh it actually took me 15 minutes to get to the bank it took me like 30 minutes to like get the sandwich together and get ready and then oh i forgot that it takes time to drive there Um, gotcha and so it's like oh the time that i thought i had with that friend or with a date or whatever it is was not what i thought and Mm -hmm. You know, that that strains relationships, too, because I could totally see where the other person's coming from, where it's like, hey, we set this time and you're late and this isn't the first time that's happened. (laughs) You're the one who told me what time to show up. Exactly. And you're 15 minutes late. Yeah. And it's really embarrassing. And so, like, some, you know, there are some times where I'd be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't, like, make, like, a dead set plan or whatever until, um... I think on the internet they gave like suggestions for like ADHD, but honestly, I think it could work for anybody that just has difficulty with timing. Um, but they're like, yeah, just write down how long you think it will, 
and then write down how much it actually is so that it's like, okay, I could be a little bit more realistic with it. And I actually haven't had problems in that area at all. I also set like a bunch of alarms on my phone. I think my, <laughs> my supervisor's like, what alarm's that for? Oh, that's the alarm for me to go on my lunch. What's that alarm for? That's the alarm to say that I'm done eating. <laughs> <laughs> that's Does the that, alarm uh, for me to stop chewing on this part of the sandwich. <laughs> I have finished a bite. Right. Come on, you're cutting uh, into my bite time. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, that's the alarm to get up. That's the alarm to get in my car, which I actually have. <laughs> Honestly, fair. I I uh -huh. do have that time as well when I'm getting ready for work. I look at the clock. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I should have been in the car. Oh, right yeah, now. Right? So, yeah, exactly. Especially in winter time and things are like... Mm-hmm slower and so like ever since i did that like i haven't been late to anything which is awesome or even just thinking oh i'm gonna be like a little a little late and just like texting them because mm. if anything that shows like okay like she's letting me know like as soon as possible like that uh -huh. shows that she cares it's not that I was sitting here forever and then she shows up and is like hey she's what? putting the effort in and Letting me know. Exactly, exactly. Uh, what was your uh, childhood like? Is your is your family close? Is uh, do you have like friends who are more family than your actual family? Um, so I'm super lucky. I would say yes to all of those. Um, so, like, my immediate family and I are super close, um, at least recently. I would say, like, so, um, I have two siblings, um, and the eldest is nine years older than me, and the middle child is seven years older. Um, so when I was younger, like, I was in elementary school, and they were at the end of their middle school, years and getting into high school and stuff so when i was younger i wasn't super close with them at all um we didn't really fight either we just didn't really interact really that much at all and um i was close to my parents which is super nice and um but it was almost like kind of being like the only child for a while and just kind of doing my own thing and then when I turned probably like 16, 17, that's when I started getting closer to them. Because even though they were in college and out of college, I think like once you get to like 16, 17, you're kind of not on the same maturity level, but like close enough that it's like, oh, I kind of get the jokes that they're saying or the references they're talking about or a lot of the things that we're interested in or even if you want to go to like the big questions, either political or religious. You and understand so we were, politics yeah, and philosophy yeah. and can hold right? your own in those conversations. Yeah, because otherwise it's not, you know, it'd be like, oh... Hi, Michelle, you're five years old. What up? <laughs> you do, like, what up? my algebra work. <laughs> no, 
really know. Um, and so when I was younger, I was definitely a lot closer to my friends. Um, there was actually a trailer park like across from my house. And there were some kids that went to my school that lived there. And so I would bike there, hang out. We would bike to like this little candy shop get like a bunch of candy i think at the time my favorite was this spray sour candy and it was two bucks it was awesome i was like yeah and then um they had like this trampoline which my mom sorry mom uh, <laughs> she didn't want me to go on, on there at all but i i did anyway um and my justification and my brain is well they have a net around the trampoline so if i fall i'll land in the net and it's fine which i i never hurt myself so that's good and so i do that all the time and do things at school um and then this is so fun but but like my parents are older um i think right now they're in their mid-60s and so, like, my mom had this VHS of Tybo. Have you ever heard of that? Is that, like, a uh, form of meditation? No. So it's like this 1990s exercise program thing. Mm. I love that so much. I would do it all the time and be like, oh, I know how to fight and stuff. And so, like, for preschool... And, like, early elementary, whenever there's, like, a bully, it's like, I know Tybo. <laughs> Don't mess with me. That was fun. <laughs> um, and, uh, but, yeah, uh, so, yeah, now, like, we're super close, play video games with each other and all that stuff. Um, and... But yeah, so I guess kind of like a mixed bag of a bunch of different things just because of the age difference is so large. So you have like a lot closer friends because they were more relatable at certain points in your life. And as you grew older, you just became more relatable with your siblings. Right, right. So it was less like, because it kind of felt like of roommates almost, where it's like we never really talk to each other, never really hang out, but you exist. <laughs> <laughs> And then it was like, oh, oh, we have things in common? Cool. Okay, Crazy. now we can interact and, and all that stuff and and be close. And it's it's interesting. And then, like, with my parents being older at the time, too, it was more like, oh, yeah, yeah just, yeah, you know, go, Michelle, you know, like, be safe, you know. <laughs> don't do anything crazy i was like okay which uh i never did actually I, I was always very good about like saying oh this is where i'm gonna be i'll be back at this time and we both we were yeah. independent but boring <laughs> i was the bad boy i i think even my mom like told me at one point where it's like you're just so responsible i know i can trust you with things <laughs> and i was like oh no <laughs> I'm so boring. <laughs> I'm a child and I'm this boring already. Right? I think I, I even like, oh, I think my grandma, like, uh, I think I was seven or eight. 
and it was my birthday and she's like okay like we're gonna buy you some pajamas and she's like what about these and I'm like grandma those are thirty dollars like <laughs> that's way above the price range of what PJ should be <laughs> you're already telling her what to spend her money on yeah I was like that's not fair what about these these are like ten dollars these are fifteen dollars like that's fair for a pair of pajamas for a seven year old like I'm gonna grow out of these I mean you're right you're right <laughs> I, it's like um I it's so weird but like I think because of like having older parents and older siblings and you see how they do things and conduct themselves it was almost mm. like I grew up faster how much do you think that independence really affected you as a child did it like really change the way you grew up or it did it uh I would say a lot so like one is like uh being like oh well, I can't go to those crazy parties, you know, like, mm -hmm. these things will happen, you know, like, that, until, like, college, where it's, like, okay, like, I'm an adult now, like, it's okay to, like, do these things, and I was younger, I was, like, no way, um, I would say, for the most part, it was a benefit, because it's, like, okay, I had an understanding of money, and how that worked, and how to save, like, I had a huge savings, like, before college that I had from, like, birthday money, Christmas money, and all that, um, and then even, like, how to deal with friendships. And I think that's why, like, when people ask how I feel about things, I think I always approach situations as logically as I can. So it's like, well, I might feel that way, but it could change. And so, like, what's more important is, like, how I handle the situation. Um, like, when I was younger, um... I remember being told, like, stop crying because it's not going to fix anything. And that, like, really stuck with me. Where it's like, yeah, I guess that's true. And so I think, like, when I was younger, I took it maybe a little too far. Where I was like, sometimes I felt, like, kind of numb about certain things that upset me. Because it's like, I, I got to fix it or attempt to fix it in some way. And then I'll feel better. Um... But now I think I took it to a more healthy direction from having the friends that I do now, like you guys, where it's like people asking like, oh, but how do you feel about these things? And I think I accepted that it's like it's OK to acknowledge being upset or being mad and still trying to, like, figure a plan out instead of like, um. Because before, like, if it was upset about something, I would, like, hold it in for a long time until it explodes later, but in a totally unrelated situation. Mm. And so it'd be like, am I upset about this or this? I don't remember. So it was actually harder to address problems and situations the way I handled it as a kid. So I'm glad, like, I learned how to deal with that better. Um, it's kind of interesting how kids interpret what adults say. <laughs> Where it's like, instead of, oh, you know, stop crying, like, um, 
it, it won't fix anything. Instead of thinking, oh, it's just they don't want me to be sad and they don't know how to handle that. And so they're just saying to stop it and then like, we'll fix it kind of thing. And as a kid, I took it as emotions are bad by mm-hmm. expressing them uh, because they won't fix things. So, and so that, that's interesting how I, uh, my child mind interpreted that, but it's those never too little, late to change. <laughs> those tiny little things will stick with you your entire life. And as an adult, it's hard as hell to know when what you're going to say is going to affect a child like that. And when, when you can just say it won't change anything, they'll be like, Oh, you're right. I'm going to go get a new ice cream bar. Right. Instead of like, it's okay to be sad that your ice cream fell, but you know, let's get a new one or like maybe approaching Uh it that way. But at least I know that now so that when I deal with kids, either in the school or I eventually want to have a family. So it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, I know not to do that because this is like the, an unintended consequence of what could happen. And like the other thing too is, and I've learned to reconcile it as well, but like when I was younger, like having siblings so much older, whenever they would accomplish something and like um, my parents never compared us or anything like that so I know it was like just from like my own competitive personality and things like that but I would see like the things that my siblings are doing or accomplishing so it's like uh oh I got first in robotics and and creating this robot and then I'm like hey mom I got um an a plus on this like handprint Santa Claus (laughs) <laughs> Mom, I, I drew a thing. <laughs> I, you know, and it's one of those where it's like, okay, I was five, and they're in middle school. Like, of mm-hmm. course, they're not gonna be. Like, honestly, they can't even be comparable. But like, when I was younger, it was more like, okay, like that's like an actual like big accomplishment. So like, I need to do things, and so I think like. But when I ended up in middle school and high school, I was like, okay, I'm going to take two foreign languages. I'm going to be the student or the the secretary of the student body. I'm going to do a play. I'm going to do tennis. I'm going <laughs> to do science fair and science Olympiad. So I did all of those things, which was awesome and great for my resume. And like, I'm glad I had those experiences. But when I was a senior in high school, I actually had a panic attack at one point. Because I realized I can't do this. I'm. It's like 2 a.m. And I have to get up at 5 to get to like this early practice thing. And then I have work later. And I haven't studied for this test. And so like what I ended up doing is like, okay, I, I'll quit the job. I'm going to be working for the rest of my life anyway. Let's enjoy being a kid. And then um, I think I quit spanish and just decided to do french and then i was fine so it was more like uh eventually i learned like okay i it's okay to try things and to have like a variety of different experiences and it's okay to be competitive and push yourself but i've learned that it's like okay i'm not in competition with my siblings like they have their strengths 
and their abilities and their accomplishments, and that's awesome. And then I have mine, and they're different, but that's fine. doesn't make it any less. And that, like, I shouldn't get to the point where I have a panic attack because that's obviously not good, and clearly I'm not enjoying it or even putting my all because how could you put all of your time equally into all of these things? And so I realized, okay, I do my best work when I have, like, smaller things, but they're things that I really care about or that I'm super interested in, and I do better work, and I feel better about it. It's like, okay. It's like my self-worth isn't in the things that I do for other people (laughs) (laughs) or the awards I get. So you were... All those things sound like somebody who's a perfectionist would do, but you are doing it just to have accomplished things. Yeah. Which is is really interesting to me because especially for somebody who has older parents and older siblings, it didn't, you just wanted to accomplish things just like they did, which is, that's a different take on childhood. I've, I've never heard (laughs) that. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, it, it's just interesting. It's like, okay, like, they're doing these things. I got to do these things, too, because I'm related to them. They're my blood. They can do it. And then even, like, uh, I think everyone, to, like, a certain point, gets kind of into the clicky thing a little bit, like, with their peers. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, like, um, for when I was in sixth grade, um, I tested so high in language that I was put into what's it was called the summit program at the time, but it was basically like a gifted program. Mm -hmm. Um, But math is not my strong suit. And I remember like one kid was like, Michelle, you're in the gifted program. And I'm like, yeah, well, why can't you do math? I was like, why can't I do math that I must be dumb in some way and then it's like no you're just gifted in this thing and then not so well in this other thing which is fine and everybody's like that but I took it as like oh you're not intelligent and I kind of put myself in like the intelligent nerd click so it was like, oh no, like I don't have a place or I'm not doing super well, so I can't be like a good, successful person if I'm not doing this. So it's like kind of like not necessarily perfectionism, but as long as I reached the goal that I set for myself, like that's all that mattered to me to a certain point, or as long as I was doing the things that I was like, yep, I'm doing everything good. But you put so much on your plate that it frustrated you. Right. Or even just, like, learning that just because something's hard doesn't mean you'll never get it. Or doesn't mean, or even if you don't ever get it, mean that you're not intelligent. And it's like, I basically learned till... Well, my senior year with like that panic attack and stuff is that no one is good at everything 
And in everything you're good at, there's probably somebody out there that does that thing better than you. So instead of like making yourself worth on that, do like, how could I do better in the things that I care about? Or if I have like a talent or something, how do I improve my own skills on that? Or how do I use it to help somebody else? And have it that be the framework of success instead of like, I have to be number one at this thing or I'm trash. (laughs) That is a pretty enlightened take for a kid, honestly. Yeah. Growing up fast, I guess. Uh Uh-huh, I I guess. And it makes sense. You you just have older I had a TV addiction when I was 10, and I got Mm. myself out of it. Um... Do you want to go like, more? Uh, I think I would watch. Man, maybe. What do you mean by TV addiction? Like, yeah, I hear it. It sounds like some 1980s, 1990s <laughs> thing. A kid is just a glued to the TV. Uh, actually, it kind of fit that stereotype. So pretty much like after school, my dad had a tv in his office so after school i'd go in there close the door put on nickelodeon and then watch till like i was told to go to bed and i did that every single day on the weekends i think that's why like i know so much like references to like tv shows of the early 2000s because of how many hours i spent on them um but i remember just feeling like what am I doing with my life like I'm not accomplishing anything I'm just what like I would see these characters so like Avatar the Last Airbender was like my favorite and it's like you know Aang and Katara like they're learning water bending from this scroll they're like traveling the world and meeting people to like save the world from total annihilation and things like that, and I'm watching TV. <laughs> what am I doing? And so, like, I put a, I taped a piece of paper onto the TV screen and put, don't do it for you on there. And then, like, I would, I would walk in and then see that and be like, nope, can't do it. Unless it's, like, Tybo or something like that. That was, like, my one exception. Because at least I'm, like, working out. And then I would just go outside or ask, like, one of the neighborhood kids to, like, play or something. And after doing that for two months, I broke the addiction. Hmm. And I think when I, when I told one of my friends that, they're like, you broke an addiction at 10? Jesus, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, I was determined. <laughs> Well, uh, you were talking earlier about there's certain things that your parents didn't teach you about, like, uh, what is it called? Like, your personality. That There's just some, some things that you have just developed on your own. One of the big themes uh, on our podcast is the battle of nature versus nurture and i kind of want to ask where do you think 
most people are falling under is it is nature more important or is nurture more important that's a good question i kind of think of it so um i have a minor in psychology Ooh, i have a degree in psych (laughs) so smart (laughs) um but um don't downplay yourself oh thank you you have a degree it's very Um, good yeah, thank you. I, I will look at it from, or I've always kind of looked at it from that lens. So, like, of course, there's different schools of thought within psychology, but the one that attracted me the most, or just seems to make the most sense, is um that it's both, and it's kind of hard to tell where one ends and begins necessarily. So, like, um I don't know if you've heard of epigenetics at all. No. Um, so epigenetics is basically the idea that we're born with a set of DNA that can influence us physically and to a certain extent, like personality. And um, when we go out into the world and interact with the environment, um, some of those DNA strands are turned on or turned off. And they actually did a study with twins that um, were separated. Um, They didn't separate them. They were put for adoption and um, chosen by different families. And so they were chosen for this uh, longitudinal study, which is basically a study that goes for a long period of time. And they asked them questions about their lives, their experiences. and about their personality and asked uh, relatives uh, and people close to them to kind of uh, collaborate that. Um, And they found that with the twins, there were a lot of similarities. Um, I think they even had the same name for like an imaginary friend. Um, They had similar life experiences and I think like their wives have similar personalities and even like looks to them. But then there are some things that were completely like opposite from each other. Um, And so for me, I think they're just so tied to each other. So it's like the nature influences you and so does nurture too. And I do think that um, some people say that, like, you can't or people don't change. I don't think that's true. I think um, people 100% can change if they want to. Um, So it's like the person I was when I was a kid was very different than the person I am now. And I would say that's both from, like, nurture and the people around me the experiences I had, but also just a better understanding of my nature. And so it's like, oh, maybe I misunderstood this one aspect. Like um, ADHD is one example of that. That's something I had from birth forever, but we misinterpret it for just a, a personality thing. And then I learned different ways to adapt and better address it. And so the difficulties I had when I was younger, I don't have now, or at least and a mini mount. So I would say it's both maybe even like a 50-50. So they're both important. Yes. 
one hundred percent. Hmm. Do you think one cannot exist without the other? Almost like a yin and yang of building character. I would say yeah. Um, cause like you could think of it in the sense that there's some skill or like academically that I'm just going to have more trouble with than others um, or not be as successful at. Um, even if I like tried and practiced it and things like that, like it just won't get to a certain point to actually do that, even though it will be better. So like there's still if it's something you enjoy, there's still reason if you're even if you're bad at it. Um, but it's like, OK, so like these are things that you can accomplish. You can accomplish. Here's all the possibilities. And nurture is you activating and deactivating those things that create like the finished product, so to speak. And like. There are even instances where maybe you'd be this way for a certain amount of time and then you have an experience and then that genetic marker turns on that wasn't turned on when you were younger. So you're so it's like, oh, here's all the possibilities. And then nurture says this is how it's going to come about. Okay. I hope that makes sense. Does that make sense? <laughs> okay, cool. I'm trying to... It's Nature is more the scientific, like, these are, this is the pool of what's going to happen, and then Nurture is the, this is what's going to happen on the way. Yeah, or even not happen. Or not it's happen. It's like, oh, like... You didn't experience any of these things, so these genes aren't activated. Okay. Yeah. Huh. I like that. I like it a lot. Thank you. I do too. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to ask you one more question before we let you go. Gotcha. Before you, you can't, can leave. You can't oh, leave until... We ask you the last one. Until we ask you the last question. Uh, another kind of big one. Do you tend generally to be an optimist or a pessimist? Ooh. That's interesting. Um. Oh, this is going to sound like cliche, I guess. But loud, I, I would say like both but for different things. So like mm -hmm. I consider myself an optimist for things that are within my ability to control. Okay. And a pessimist for things that are outside of it. Um so like generally speaking, you know, like you look historically and things like that, like the world always gets plunged into like chaos of some kind, um, be it economic, war, political, all of those, whatever it is, like every generation has experienced something not great that is kind of outside their 
ability to like control i mean like you have voting and things like that but like right in your vicinity that you can do like right here right now and so i would say in that sense more pessimistic just because things just tend to repeat itself in that cycle but for the things that i can handle either by how i react to something or the things that I choose for myself and stuff, I like to remain optimistic because even if something doesn't go the way I planned, I can always learn and grow from that. Um, I found that like the most awful situations, I've learned more about myself and was able to adapt accordingly than things that were like great or went my way. So I guess that's my answer on that one. Very pragmatic. <laughs> I'm a very pragmatic, logical person. I like, a, I would say, like, my style is more the Aristotle's ethics. Mm. Is how I kind of make my moral framework and how I navigate the world, pretty much. I don't know if you or Shannon are familiar with it. I am not. Okay, so um, I cannot pronounce the name of it, but... Uh, let's see. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look it up. Uh, uh, I can't remember the name, but it starts with an N and it ends with ethics. And it, it was written by Aristotle, pretty much. Um, and uh, he, his premise is that um, self improvement or becoming better and being a better moral person, it's complex and very difficult and so like there are different ways that you can go about it so um the first is to find like an aim which is like the end goal and so he said for your end goal it should be like a pure virtue so um goodness could be one um another could be uh well, I guess if you want to be bad or or, or uh, power or making money or like whatever the end is that you have for yourself. And he suggested, of course, goodness, because um, it leads to a more moral or like the choices that you make tend to be more moral. And then like working on aspects of yourself that would stop you from getting there. And you can learn that from either experience which does take the longest but you could do it that way you could have a mentor somebody that already went through that and you can learn from them or you can get it from like outside sources like um books or movies or just observing other people without interacting with them directly and i feel like that's actually a pretty solid very practical way to like go about your life and it's something that i think like i i could realistically do that within the lifespan of a human like i can't be a perfect person but i could do that <laughs> it's a little more realistic mm -hmm. I, I will have to take a look at that I was uh, whilst you were talking. It's the Nicomachean, Nick Nicomachean. 
See, I can't ethics. pronounce it, and I didn't want to try because I was like, oh, I don't want to sound dumb, but. Or Nichoma. I think it's Nichomachean ethics, I think, but. Well. Uh, I will definitely look into it. I like uh, philosophy or how to live life, and that's fun. I like learning about it. Me too. So, I think that is going to have to do it for today's episode. I think that so. That went by way faster than I thought. Yeah. Hey, that is Damn super Michelle. fun. Fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> I do try to be eloquent, you know, with like my job description. I got yeah, that's that. true. <laughs> gotta show the kids how to talk. This is how you do it, kids. This is how we you do are a the, podcast. We are the kids. Teach we us your kids. ways, Michelle. Oh God, how do we talk? <sighs> we do uh, better now. I don't know. I don't know about that. I can tell. Um. <laughs> Hey, thank you to Nadia Diaz for our podcast cover art. Uh, her Instagram is at arthead_creations. That'll be linked in the in, in the description. If I wasn't so sick, I could probably say words properly. Um, and thank you to Jensen Crawl who did our intro and outro for the song, and he's got a demo out on all the music apps, Spotify, and iTunes and Amazon Music and it's called Knocking on Doors for a musical that he's been working on called Tea Time. Malcolm, you thought it was a bop, didn't you? I I liked it. It was pretty bopping. I like Jensen. He he does good music and I he's a good guy. So, go yeah. check it out. Go go check the song out and go ask Nadia to Make some art for you. She's she's always willing to get uh, people to get to want art from her. She's always she, willing to make art. She's always willing to make art for and a price. And if you prompt her, I'm sure that's only good. Yes. Do it. Uh, the other thing is, send us questions. Do it. Yes, we have an email address. We have an email address. It's uh, waiting... The number four seconds at gmail.com. It will be in the description. Or you can just DM me on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, you could also try Malcolm, but he don't respond. I don't, I don't check my Facebook ever. He hates ever. people. He doesn't hate people. But Thank you again, Michelle, for coming and hanging out with us. I know I just did my housekeeping stuff. Kind of took a long time, but... I'm glad awesome. you're here. I'm glad to be here. Anytime. <laughs> so, thank you again, everybody, for listening. And we will see you next time. Unless Jed. Time. Bye. Unless Jed. <laughs>